If everyone could please stand for the scripture reading. Uh, We're going to be doing Psalm 119, verses 169 through 176. It's the last little stanza in Psalm 119, ta. So Psalm 119, 169 through 176. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me your understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've, I've felt so welcomed so far, honestly, in my communication with, uh, with your leaders through email and also just this morning. Uh, thank you for having me. I need to correct something I said earlier. I, I said my daughter is 12. She's actually 12 and a half. Um, and we do acknowledge, uh, to some degree, still half birthdays. And so that reminds me, and I'm sure you all know this already, but today is actually half Christmas. Uh, today is, in fact, six months between Christmases. Um, and when I, when I think of Christmas, I think of a movie in popular culture called A Christmas Story. Some of you may know it. It's, it's actually not about Jesus, but it is something of a, a cultural uh, hallmark for the United States. Uh, it's been for decades aired in 24-hour marathon sessions on cable television. It's mainly about a nine-year-old boy named Ralphie. Uh, Ralphie is trying to get a very specific Christmas gift. Sure, you'll know it, but I'll say it anyway. It's a Red Ryder Carbine Action 200-shot range model air rifle. Now, there's three things you should know about Ralphie. First, he needs that gift. Second, he thinks he knows who can help him get it. And third, he is going to get that help. Ralphie works. He pleads. He schemes to get that gift. He asks his mom, shot down. He writes a letter to his, he writes a school assignment, hoping to get his teacher on his side. He even asks a department store, Santa Claus. Ralphie, well, you might be wondering why I'm talking about Ralphie, uh, because we're a lot like him. We're a lot like him. We're all full of needs. We're all full of desires. And, And if we're Christians, we know where to find help. So we need to go get that help. Ralphie's need wasn't a real need, but he really was desperate for it. We have real needs, right? We have deep needs. We have needs for help that only God can give, and we all need God. So where Where do you need God to hear you, to help you? Our passage today is Psalm 119, verses 169 to 176. I want to provide you just a little background, a little context for what we're reading. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's essentially a short book of its own among the Psalms. It was written sometime between 500 and 1000 BC. It's almost entirely a prayer. And every verse of it concerns God's word. 
And yet this single psalm covers every aspect of life. Winning, losing, succeeding, failing, advancing, retreating, reveling in riches and desperately needy. Like other poetry, the psalm is meant to stir our emotions. It's an acrostic, and each of its stanzas, all 24 of them, is associated with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Above verse 169, you saw the word ta or tav. So tav is actually the final letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This is the final stanza. And in Hebrew, every verse of today's text begins with that letter. It's the final stanza, and we might expect in a long psalm that this passage gives us some measure of conclusion to the psalm. Here's the takeaway. Here's the the big picture we're going to see in our passage today. Because God shepherds us by his word, we need to let him hear us, and we need him to help us. If you have a Bible, don't close it. We're going to work our way through the passage in just two minutes, but first, I want to show you how these big themes, need, bringing that need to God, are all over this passage. First, I want you to see and hear all the desperation, all the the feeling and emotion here, the need, all these expressions that point back to the Word of God. Listen. Let my cry come before you. Let my plea come before you. My lips will pour forth praise. My tongue will sing of your word. I long for your salvation. Your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you. I have gone astray. I also want you to see and hear all the psalmist is asking God to do here. All requests tied to the word. Listen. Give me understanding. Deliver me. Teach me. Help me. I long for your salvation. Seek your servant. In this passage, we see a person in desperate need and desperately bringing that need to God. This passage is an example and an instruction for us because God shepherds us by his word. We need to let him hear us and we need him to help us trust him. I believe God's given me two main points to share. God, hear me. God, help me. Now let's turn to the text. And in case you haven't seen the movie, yes, Ralphie gets the gun. First, God, hear me. We're in verses 169 to 172. Because God shepherds us by his word, we need to let him hear us. What's, what's going on here is that the psalmist is desperately asking to be heard by God. And he's expressing confidence that God's word will cause him to overflow, to praise, and to proclaim. He says, hear me, I need understanding and deliverance. He says in 169 and 170, let my cry come before you, O Lord, give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you, deliver me according to your word. He's crying, he's pleading in these verses, a plea. That's a request in an urgent and emotional way. He's loud. Prayers that are prayed only in our minds are fine, but this psalmist needs to let it out. This author is desperate. His prayer is like the cry of a baby. Now, I have some history with crying. Having seen four kids and heard four kids cry, I 
I've actually recognized that each of my kids' cries is unique. To be honest, I actually found one of my kids' cries to be amusing. Uh, he sounded less like a baby to me and more like a, a small lion or an angry sheep. It was, it was sort of a, sort of a, meh, meh, meh. Our Father God hears our cries. He recognizes them. And he is much more compassionate than I am. The author asks in each of these verses that his cry and his plea come before God. Of course, God hears everything, but saying that says something more. Think about the United States Supreme Court. Mostly, the court chooses what cases it wants to hear. It receives about 10,000 requests a year to hear cases, and it only grants 1 or 2% of those. That means that 98% of the requests are denied a hearing. If you have a legal need and you go to the Supreme Court and you are one of those 98%, you're not going to get heard. But the psalmist knows that's not his situation. And through Christ, it's not our situation either. In 169, he says he wants understanding. From all we've read, he's got some understanding, but he's not settling for what he thinks he knows. Notice, he says, teach me. Give me this understanding. And he's not just asking for understanding. He's asking for deliverance in verse 170. Of course, understanding is inward. Deliverance generally addresses an outward circumstance. And the psalmist begs that this be according to your word. He says it twice. Understanding and deliverance that come according to God's word are going to be in harmony with the word. Last summer, we had a guest for dinner. During dinner, my son said some things in the presence of the guest that I took as criticism of me. Frankly, I was offended. And I wanted to confront him and let him know that he'd acted wrongly. But I've learned that those moments where emotions are high are not always the best time for confrontation. So I didn't say anything. I, I prayed instead, and I asked for help and understanding, and I went to bed. I woke up in the middle of the night. The, the frustration had subsided. But more, I, God gave me understanding according to his word. I was reminded of, in the situation, 1 Corinthians 13, how love is kind. And I realized that my Christian son hadn't been speaking in a way to criticize me. What he had said was meant as a help and a kindness to our guest. And that understanding made my conversation with my son so much better. When you need understanding or deliverance, where do you look? Your experience, your friends, Google, do you pray and pray persistently, even pray desperately? Do you pray first, and do you look in the Word? I can be so quick to look many places before I look to the Word, to go many places before I go to the Lord. My experience, my knowledge, my competence, the psalmist demonstrates that because God shepherds us by His Word, we need to let Him hear us by grace having to let him hear me, to ask him to help me first. Some of you may be in desperate need, and you know that, and you think, 
I can't pray anymore. Or maybe you're thinking, if only I pray just a little more. This is not meant to correct you. Our God is merciful. He knows our limitations. He knows our needs. He made us this way. I'm just asking, do we all bring those needs to God? The pleading, the pleading that we see here, this crying, Jesus actually lived this out. You know this? Hebrews 5, 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. When Jesus was on earth, he was so aware of the need for God in this fallen world that he cried, he pleaded, and notice that he was heard because of his reverence. But we aren't reverent or righteous. But if we've trusted him as our Savior, we will be heard because the righteousness of Christ has reconciled us to him. Next, the psalmist says, you're going to hear my praise for your word. Psalm 170, verses 171 and 172, my lips will pour forth praise for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word for all your commandments are right. He's cried for understanding. He's pleaded for deliverance. And now he's looking forward to when his lips will pour forth praise and his tongue will sing of God's word. That future praise doesn't depend on the psalmist getting everything he asked for. And when we cry out to God, we may not get everything we ask for either. We might feel rejected like Ralphie felt for a while in a Christmas story. And and I'm not trivializing those prayers. It's hard when prayers seem unanswered. But the psalmist is hoping. He's expecting something even more. He's looking forward to the goodness of God. He knows it's there. He knows it's coming. It hasn't all been fulfilled yet, but it's going to be really good. And it's intimately tied to God's word. And he's going to send a thank you note. He's going to praise God for it. Over the top, pouring forth exuberant praise, spontaneous praise. The kind of praise that overflows during worship. When the richness of the lyrics and the joy in our hearts and the work of the Spirit leads us to praise God for even more than what we're singing about. God's going to fuel his worship with the word. And knowing that, having that hope, that'll sustain him in the in-between time. In verse 171, we see that God's going to lead him to praise by teaching him the word. God teaches. God enables him to know. And that teaching will bring joy. Because the word is living and active. The word is the power of God. And it's here for us. And here at Doxology, God is helping you be taught the word and put it to work in your lives through community groups, through discipleship groups, through the leadership institute that began this spring and is continuing this fall. And the word's doing more than just teaching. We see in 172 that God's going to fuel his worship with the word because it's right right. The author is letting God's word dazzle him. God's inerrant and excellent word. Now, in this psalm, there are many words for word of God, and each highlights an aspect of its perfection. And the word, word, in this verse, is commandments. 
Commandments just means doing what you're told. God has authority to tell his image bearers what to do. Obedience is the intended response. Believe it. Live it out. And these commandments in verse 172, they're right. They're right because God's right. These words are unlike any other words. They express God's righteous character, what he's like, and his will, what he expects and requires. Some translations say righteous instead of right. The commandments of God are the essence of righteousness. So the psalmist lets it dazzle him. And as he lets the rightness of God's word dazzle him, what's going to build is desire, is praise. Church, does God's word bring you to praise? I'm happy to report from my conversation with Steve He communicated how encouraged he is by how you want God to challenge you and comfort you by the Spirit through the Word, how you are seeking to make it the bedrock for how you operate as a family. That's a praise God for that. The application from this section is clear. We must let God hear us. If you want what the psalmist wanted, you should plead and cry and praise like he did. God wants to hear from us daily hourly. It can't possibly be too much. Pray when we're together and when we're alone. When we're happy, bring him our happiness. When we're sad, bring him our sadness. When we fall, bring him our confession. If we're disappointed or confused or numb with grief or paralyzed with anxiety, bring it to him. And all those things that are in our lives, things that consume our time and attention and money, those are all things he wants us to bring him. Bring him your calendar and your budget, your hobbies and your to-do list, your dreams and your fears. Pray. Pray the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, and let it guide your prayers. As you read your Bible, pay attention for sections that you can pray. Mark them. Memorize them. Pray part of this psalm. The Lord Jesus, in a moment of great need on the cross, cried out to God from the Word, Psalm 22 and died and rose again so we can follow his example empowered by his spirit and plead and cry out to God according to his word. So let's let him hear us. Amen. Our second big point is God help me. Verses 173 and following. Because God shepherds us by his word, we need him to help us. After the psalmist asks God to hear him, he's still desperate. And his desperation is expressed in that most basic human cry, help. He says, help, I need you. Look at verse 173. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. Let your hand be ready. Hands being ready conveys this idea that he needs God to be near and strong. God's not only personal, but powerful and Here's a wonder of the gospel in Jesus. We have all the strength and all the nearness we need. Is Jesus strong enough? John 1.3 says all things were made through him. Is Jesus near enough? Matthew 28.20 says he would be with us always to the end of the age. Is Jesus helping? Hebrews 7.25 says Jesus always lives to make intercession for those who come to God through him. Now, hear me. There's an important caveat. 
this help, this life, this salvation, this rescue, he's asking for it as one who has aligned himself with the helper. These urgent pleas are coming from a person of faith. The one who's pleading to God is following God. Look at the text. Verse 173, he requests help for I have chosen your precepts. Verse 174, God's law is his delight. Verse 175, he asks that God's rules help him. 176, he seeks rescue for I do not forget your commandments. I find this personally challenging. How many times I've chosen, not, not chosen his precepts, forgotten his commandments. How many times before God saved me, and honestly, even worse, since, before I became a, since I became a follower of Jesus. A morning, not too long ago, I prayed and read my Bible, and I came downstairs, and I promptly sinned all over my daughter with unkind words. It was maybe two minutes. I'm needy. I needed help before I fell into sin. I needed help after. Can you relate? But by grace, I know where I've chosen to find help and life. I often find myself saying something Peter said to Jesus in John 6. This has been one of the most precious passages of Scripture to me. In verse 68, Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's not a matter of performance or perfection, but direction. I think the psalmist can relate. He's saying, basically, I've trusted you, God. You've got to come through for me because that's the kind of God you are. Verses 173 to 175, what does he need help for? Everything. The request couldn't be any broader. Look at the things we see him pleading for in the text. First, he wants life. See, in verse 175, where he says, let my soul live and praise you. Let your rules help me. Just saying life is pretty all-encompassing, right? But it's a particular kind of life. It's soul life. Let my soul live. And again, Jesus is the final answer to the psalmist's plea. Jesus is real life for the soul. Knowing Jesus and the Father is eternal life. He wants life. He wants salvation. Look at verse 174 where he says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. He longs for salvation. The Bible speaks of Christian disciples as having been saved in the past, justified, when we trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. But it also says that God's people are being saved in the present and will be saved in the future. Singer-songwriter Chris Rice illustrated this longing in, in lyrics to one of his songs. Hear these. You're all I have. You're all I know. Your breath is breathing in my lungs. Still, I'm gasping aching, asking, where are you now? Because I just want to be with you. I just want this waiting to be over. I just want to be with you. And, and it helps to know the day is getting closer. Friends here who are struggling with longing for that day, know that it is coming. Jesus will ultimately satisfy this longing with salvation in 
his heavenly home, our heavenly home. But right now, one way God saves us is helping us resist temptation to sin. Those rescued by Jesus are commanded to live by the Spirit and put to death a sinful way of life. And yet, in this life, we each have a sinful nature and we face temptation. We need help. We need salvation. And because Jesus suffered when he was tempted but never sinned, he is able to help us when we are being tempted. Call to him. Call to him. Call to him. He hears. He understands. Where have you chosen to find help in life? There may be some here who read, I long for your salvation and wonder what he's talking about. You may be brand new to Christianity or you may have been going to church, reading your Bible, even praying, and that's great. But religious activity without a relationship with God won't save you. Attending church, serving, giving, these things won't bring you reconciliation to God. They won't bring you life. No, God himself is the source of rescue and real soul life. Apart from God, apart from Jesus, we're without help. We need a savior from sin. And Jesus alone can save you from sin's penalty and rule in your life. We must each receive Jesus or else we're rejecting him. If you've never trusted him, I urge you today, ask him for mercy. Turn from your own way to him. Acknowledge and welcome him as the risen Savior you need. Confess him as the Lord of your life and be glad. The psalmist wants life. He wants salvation. He wants rescue. Hear these words in verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I don't forget your commandments. If I'm being honest, the first seven verses of this passage can leave me feeling so, so immature. How weak is my faith and my passion? This verse helps me see the psalmist shares my predicament. He says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. He's strayed. He's gotten off track somehow. First, two things amaze me about this. First, he admits he's gone astray. That's a work of grace. But second, he compares himself to a sheep. As you likely know, sheep are not impressive creatures. Among their many limitations, sheep get lost easily. I'd actually rather be considered a tree or a deer or, or an eagle Sheep might go running blindly away from the flock if they get scared. They might just stray because they're curious or they're not paying attention while they're eating. And this sheep is lost. But still he's a sheep. And that's a good thing. Because he's a sheep of the Lord. And that means he has hope of being sought and brought back. And Jesus is the good shepherd. He won't lose any of his sheep not after he laid down his life for them. So we've come to the end of our psalm. He's pleaded 
God, hear me. God, help me. But this passage isn't just eight verses in Psalm 119. It's the final eight verses. And its placement at the end is not an accident. So see the opening verses in Psalm 119. I'm going to read them to you. One and two. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. And see where it ends up. In the Psalm 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. From the beginning of the psalm, we see that blessedness lies in pursuing God blamelessly all the way to the end. But no matter how great are our aspirations to obey, to keep God's word in the forefront of our minds and lives, we remain sheep to the end, totally dependent on God living an active word to hold us, we need a shepherd. He shepherds us by the word. I've lived in Northern Virginia almost 25 years, nearly my whole adult life. There have been a lot of ups and downs in those 25 years. I faced the loss of parents, serious depression, job loss, serious sin, relational conflict, Uh, physical problems, health problems. There have been a lot of great things too, don't get me wrong. But I've gone astray, needed God to seek me so many times in those 25 years. And he has. I've cried out many times, Lord, hear me, Lord, help me. And he has. And I'm sure many of you can relate to my experience. Because God shepherds me, shepherds us by his word. We have to let him hear us. We have received his help. We have let him hear us again and again. Where do you need God to hear you, to help you today? Is your life battered by some sin, worry, bitterness, ungodly anger, lust, lying, procrastination, prayerlessness. Plead for help. Say, I'm yours. Hear me. Help me. Is it some suffering, a relational rift, threat to your health or even life? Plead for help. I am yours. Hear me. Help me. Maybe things are going well. Maybe you can't think of any needs. Maybe you feel young and strong and capable Believe me, you have needs. Ask God to show them to you. Say, I am yours. Hear me. Help me. You can do this. You must do this. Because God desires you to come. Because he shepherds you by his word to come. Finally, I urge you to listen to the word. I'm listening all the time. You know, the word of God brings understanding and deliverance. It brings us to praise. It brings life and salvation and rescue. But some of you may not think that you read well. You might struggle with dyslexia or some other reading disorder. Some may find it really hard to develop a habit of Bible reading. I still want to urge you to read the Word, but we can also listen to the Word. We all have access to the Bible on electronic devices. We all have times when we're walking or driving or working or relaxing, and we're listening. 
Listen to the word. Listen to sermons. Listen to Christian worship music. Listen even to Christian music that's not necessarily worship music. Now, we need to be discerning here. There, there is bad theology out there. But I've been immensely helped by listening to the songs of people who have let the word work in them. I, I mentioned Chris Rice earlier. Uh, there are many others I could mention. Listen. And what you hear, think about. And what you think about, pray about. Because God shepherds you and us by his word. Let him hear you. Let him help you. Let's pray.